Good morning. Was this on? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm on. Oh, we're continuing on with an incredible series called uh, Timothy. We're going through the book of Timothy, Guarding the Gospel. And for all you sci-fi lovers out there, I was thinking about this, and I was trying to convince Pastor Sean of calling it the Guardians of the Gospel, and that we could have used a new slide instead of a lighthouse, and it could have been something like this. For those of you that are familiar with any of it, um, I like Pastor Jeff as Groot, you know, I am Jeff. Um, For those of you that know it, some of you don't know it, it's not funny, but um, anyway, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to get into the good stuff as we go through. Last week, we talked about right doctrine. Pastor Sean uh, kicked off 1 Timothy with this idea of right doctrine. What is it to have right doctrine? And why is that so important? And he's communicating. Here's the, uh, the Apostle Paul communicating to his mentor E, Timothy. And he wants to instruct him in what it is to be a godly man, a godly leader in the church. And uh, he gives some very specific teaching to Timothy. And he's in the process of laying foundation. And the first foundation that he laid was this idea of the right doctrine. And then the next part that we're going to look at here in verses 12 through 17 is this idea of God's mercy, God's salvation to the apostle Paul and to us. And so 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, let's read If you have it in the Pew Bible, it's on page 910. If you don't have a Bible, uh, take it with you. It's our gift to you from Coastal Community Church. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Let's pray. And precious Father, illuminate your word to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray if there's somebody here that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, that they would understand this morning and receive your gospel, your good news, your salvation. Lord Jesus, I pray for those that, that feel like that they have disqual- they're disqualified They feel like because of some sin or because of some choices that they've made, Lord God, that they're no longer worthy, Father. I pray, Lord God, that your grace and your mercy would come. 
and minister to them, Lord. And they would recognize, Lord God, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's truth. And now I pray, the Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy. And um, if you're taking notes, pull out the notes as we're looking at the essential salvation that God has for us. It's the foundational mindset that the, Paul, the Apostle Paul shifts from of this idea of law to the proud. And Pastor Sean spoke on that last week as we look towards this idea of salvation in regards to grace to the humble. That it doesn't matter if you are humble before the Lord, the Lord will not cast you out. That if you stand before the Lord open-handed, that the Lord will receive you into his own. But before we kind of get going, I want to kind of give some terms that many of you probably know, but I want to make sure that we're all using these terms in the same way and in the right way in the way that the Bible describes them, because there was a lot of confusion when I was growing up of some things that I assumed. And so I want to kind of begin with some terms that are going to kind of get, lead us through this passage of Scripture as we look at salvation. And the first one is this, is the term sin. Sin means to miss the mark. It's actually a British term it's an, um, for archery. If you miss the mark or you miss the target completely, you would yell sin, much like a golfer who yells four. That means cover up because you're about to get hit by a golf ball or watch out. One's going to land on you. And if you've seen my golf game, you know that that's true. Mark Houston was here. He would attest to that. It's this idea that Sin means that I haven't even come close to the target. I've completely missed the backstop and there's an arrow flying through the woods somewhere because I wasn't even close. So you yell sin, which means I missed the mark. And last week, Pastor Sean, in talking about right doctrine from Romans 7, 7, says that the law of God reveals my sin. What's the law? The law doesn't... I don't obey the law to make myself not a sinner. No, what's the purpose of the law? The law is to reveal my sin and to recognize that I need a savior every moment of every day in my life. It's this idea of that, that, that and the Bible says that all have sin. Romans 3.10, um, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Second term. The term salvation. When we talk about salvation, it, we're talking about God saving me from my sin and God's punishment. It's this idea that salvation is a work of God for me, to me, on me, and I will never be the same again. The Apostle Paul is talking about salvation here in these verses in these five verses, the Apostle Paul is looking at his this great salvation. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Apostle Paul uses the word generous. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He gave, he was generous to us. 
God gave his only son to die in our place. And this saves me from my sin, the fact that I missed the mark, and the fact that God has to deal with my sin. And then the last term is this, that we need to understand as we kind of break into this, and as I start to unpack this salvation, we need to understand the term justification. Now, growing up in Sunday school, I always had these well-meaning teachers. I had a well-meaning teacher. She told me that justification meant just as if I'd never sinned. And that's, what I, that's the way I understood it. Just as if I'd never sinned. What's justification? Just as if I'd never sinned. And that's not the definition because it's so much more than that. It's so much better than that. It's this, man, I said it like the Wizard of Oz. I was thinking about that for a second. I was like, we represent um, the lollipop kids. Okay, it's this idea, though, of justification, just as if I'd never sinned. That's not what it is. It's this. It's the righteousness of Christ that covers me because of God's mercy and grace. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he that knew no sin, Christ, became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. So I want to illustrate this and I want to use my main man, Andrew Wilson, the intern. Give it up for Andrew Wilson, the intern. If you're in student ministries, he has a girlfriend, ladies, that are single and in college, and, but most of our college students are gone, so you're okay. Um, Andrew Wilson is going to illustrate. This is Andrew Wilson. Say hi, Andrew. Hi. Hi. This is Andrew Wilson covered. See Andrew Wilson anymore? No. Well, kind of. You can kind of, kind of make him out. Looks more like a ghost. But this is Andrew Wilson covered. Now, here's justification. Just stay there, Andrew. Here's justification. It's this, that I am a sinner, that I have sinned. I have all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When God now looks at me because of salvation, he doesn't see Andrew Wilson anymore. He sees the righteousness of Christ that covers him. So God looks at the righteousness of Christ that covers Andrew Wilson. So no longer am I defined by my sins and what I've done. I am now defined by the righteousness of Christ that's covered me. Which means it doesn't matter what I've done, past, present, or future. It matters what Christ did on the cross. This is good stuff. Yes. That gets me excited. Just stay there, Andrew. I'm going to read a verse. Romans chapter three, that's why when the apostle Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, there's no way I can save myself. Now, for those of you that are mathematicians, I'm gonna say it this way because I like this. this, this connects with me. This is my inner nerd coming out. Think about it, Adam and Eve in the garden, okay? They're at zero on the number line, okay? You have the positive numbers through 10 and you have the negative numbers through 10, Okay? When Adam and Eve in the garden sinned, what happened? They went into the negative, okay? They went to negative 10. They sinned against God. They violated God. They missed the mark. And what was the result of that? They started to try to hide and cover themselves. Remember that? They're in the garden. They're trying to cover themselves with fig leaves. And then they're like, we're not doing a very good job. Let's just hide. And then God comes through the garden says, Adam and Eve, where are you? Did he know where he was? Yes, they were. It's kind of like a little kid that says, you can't see me. You can't see me, dad. 
And then I'm like, well, where? And then we'll play along. Where are they? Where are they? Here I am, you know? And you're just like, oh, okay. Um, but it's that idea. God knew where they were. God saw them. But why, why, what was the deal? The deal was they were trying to cover themselves from their sin. They were trying to cover their sin. Isn't that what we do today? We hide in the darkness. We're ashamed. And people, you know, it's this idea that, you know, oh my goodness, if anybody really knew who I was, or if anybody really saw what I had done, they would not accept me. They would not love me. They would not even like me. So we get in this game of playing this facade and we build up this facade and we get people to know the facade, but they don't get to know the real us. Because we think in ourselves, if they really got to know the real us, guess what? They wouldn't like it. And it's like, they like the facade, they don't like me. And so I better never put down this facade. And the reality is this, God is into the business of breaking down walls because of redemption. And that's justification. What did, what did God do in the garden? He killed an animal and the blood sacrifice of that animal. And he took the animal skins and he covered Adam and Eve properly. This animal was a picture of Christ. The fact that one day, because of Christ's work on the cross, his life and death on the cross and his righteousness would cover us so that we would be presentable to God and we would no longer have to hide. That's why Romans 1, 8, 1 is so amazing. Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is what justification is. Romans chapter four, verses 24 and 25. Just stay there, Andrew. Don't move. For our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. And the King Jimmy, it says, to make us justified to God. All right, do you think we should let him off the hook? Let's let him off the hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give a hand to Andrew Wilson. We're glad that you're here this summer. We know that your salary will not reflect that because you're an intern. Um, no, he's a wonderful man, and I would encourage you to get to know him. And um, he's going to be doing that for all three services. Um, two down and one to go. So here we go. Let's unfold this and let's unpack this. Now that we understand sin, salvation, and justification, let's unpack the four truths for, about salvation that the apostle Paul is laying as a foundation to Timothy. So as we talk about this, keep those terms in your mind. It's this, the first one is this, verses 12 and 13, that God's faithfulness always trumps our failures. If we're really gonna understand salvation, we need to understand that salvation is a work of God, not a work of us. Salvation is about God being faithful to us even when we're unfaithful. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his love towards us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's that idea of, is that all you've got? 
It's this idea of why do we get in small groups and kind of talk about sin as if we, we're like cleaning it up before we share it. It's this idea that when you're an intimate biblical community that you could come clean and say, listen, I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with this or my wife and I are having marriage problems or, you know, or I, I hate this person at work or, you know, I'm struggling with pornography or I'm struggling with, I mean, whatever, you know, I'm struggling with loving my husband or I, I'm struggling with gossip. It's all of these different things. Why can't we just come clean in that and just say, listen, and I need your prayer and I need your help. And why can't the group respond like this? Is that all you got? Because the righteousness of Christ covered that when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ. Why don't we respond like that? That's the response. It's this idea that God's faithfulness always trumps our failures. That when you have received Jesus Christ, that your failures are paid for. Your sin has been paid for on the cross. The fact that you missed the mark, it's been paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. So my question is this, why do we disqualify ourselves though? Well, God can't use me. Listen to the Apostle Paul in verses 12 and 13. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. So the Apostle Paul in verse 12, I don't even have the strength to serve him, but he's giving me the strength to do the work. He's considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Now, here's the little caveat that he wants to share with everybody. Even though I used to blasphemy the name of Christ, in my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy upon me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. What are the things that we have done in our ignorance and unbelief? Don't we need the mercy of God? And the Apostle Paul's saying that God's faithfulness always trumps my failures. They trumped my failures on the moment of salvation. And now as I live this life in Christ, it trumps my failures each and every day. He will be faithful to the end. So why in the world are we disqualifying ourselves? God wants to use you. He wants to use you. I'm tired of people saying, you know, I just need to get back with God. It's going to take me a little while, but give me some time. I just need to get back with God. Listen, if it took a moment to fall away and make a bad choice, it takes a moment to get back with God. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Take that moment, get right back with God. Fall off the horse, get right back on. Because God's faithfulness always trumps our failures. And the Apostle Paul's saying, listen, this is salvation. This is God's justification over my life. Second thing is this, is God gives us mercy and grace because of Jesus Christ. Now, why did I break those out? Well, we need to define what mercy and grace are. I think sometimes we, we, have, a, we have maybe a different perspective or a different definition of these two terms. Words are important and words matter. And so understanding every time you read the word mercy, this is what mercy means. It's not getting what I deserve. Guess what we deserve? We all deserve, because of our sin, we all deserve punishment from God. We all deserve to be separated from God. 
Mercy is not getting what I deserve. And the apostle Paul said, but God had mercy on me. And then look at verse 14. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. So God had mercy upon me, and then he was generous to give me grace. And gracious our Lord was. This idea of grace. Mercy is not getting what I deserve. Christ got what we deserved on the cross. See, we need to understand mercy so that we can really understand and grab hold of grace. We kind of skip over the mercy part and the first part of grace just to get to the good stuff of grace. And mercy is this, that my sin separated me from God and I needed outside intervention and there was nothing I could do to save myself. My plane went down in the middle of the ocean and there was no way that I could save myself. I needed the Coast Guard helicopter to come and drop down the line to save me because without that, I'm dead. I'm lost. I'm forever gone. And because of my sin, because of Adam and Eve's sin, and the fact that I was born into sin, and the fact is, because of that, I'm going to sin and sin and sin, and I'm going to continually separate myself from God. I needed outside intervention, so God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come in and to save me. We need outside intervention, and that's what the Apostle Paul was talking about, and I needed mercy. I needed to get what I didn't deserve. I deserve to die in my sins, but God sent his son Jesus to take the place of my sin. And the punishment for our sin was upon him, Isaiah 53. It was Christ. So now that we understand the mercy, let's understand the grace part. The grace part is this. It's not getting what I deserve. It's mercy, not getting what I deserve, plus getting the most wonderful gift. If you've grown up in the church your whole life, grace, a little acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's that idea that it's not that I don't get what I deserve and I get the most wonderful gift. My wife and I are red boxers with our family. We go to red box and you pay your, you swipe your card or whatever. It's like this brilliant little invention and they shoot out a little movie. If you're a red boxer, we're glad. That means they put more of them different places so it's a lot more convenient. But there was this thing that happened in Redbox recently that what was happening was people were putting in these family movies. Um, and I love those little like email codes that you get. I got a free Redbox, you know. I don't know if, if you guys do that. If you put your little email in, they'll send you like free movies. Go get a Redbox on us. You get a free movie. Now I deserve to pay for it. I have to pay for it. But they give me a free one. That's mercy. Man, I didn't deserve that, but I got a free movie. But I don't know if you read recently, there's some people, they're taking like $20 bills and they're taping it inside of family movies and returning them so that when you rent the family movie, not only do you get the movie, but you get the 20 bucks and with a little note saying, buy some popcorn for your family. That's grace. <laughs> oh yeah. It's this idea that I, so if you go and you type in the code, you're not having to pay for the movie and you get 20 bucks. Yeah. It's, you mean I don't get it? I don't have to pay for my sin? Yeah, that's mercy. But grace is that God gives me his salvation and he gives me what? His glorious inheritance with us. See, that's what's so great about grace. Christ got what we deserved on the cross and then he shared his glorious inheritance with us. What a generous God. Because, listen, if, if 
if I'm going to suffer for somebody, he can be darn sure he's not getting anything else from me. But Christ not only suffered for me, but then he blessed me with his inheritance to share it with me. Think about Jesus. I mean, think about that. If you're, listen, if you're Jesus and you're paying for somebody's sin, man, wow, that's amazing. But then the fact that he's sharing the kingdom of God with you, that's grace. That's why the writers of the song say it's amazing. It's indescribable. Romans 8, 17 says, and since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. So here's the deal. We can go out tonight and look at all the stars up in the heavens and say, I'm co-heir to the kingdom of God. I own all of this. He shares it with me. But there's this part of suffering here on this earth because here's the deal. What's happening on the outward, the righteousness of Christ that's covered me and the fact that I'm justified, there's still something going on. And Pastor Sean talked about it last week. It's this idea of the sin nature within me, Romans 7. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do. Then he says, who's going to deliver me from this bondage or this sin? It's, I thank God through Jesus Christ. It's this, it's this understanding of this is the fact that mercy and grace, sin causes suffering, whether it is our sin or others sinning against us, sin causes suffering. And so the idea of the apostle Paul saying here in Romans 8, he's saying, but if we share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering, which means on this earth now, we're going to suffer. John 16 in the world, you will have tribulations, Jesus promises disciples. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. But you will have tribulation. He promises it. it it's this idea that, you know what, that's, that's hard. That's difficult. But because of mercy and grace, it makes it bearable. Because this is not my life. This is not, my, this is not all there is. There's something more. Because Jesus rose from the dead, there's something more. Hebrews 4.16, so then when we're praying or when we're interacting with God now as Christians, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace. See, mercy and grace. Every time you see the Apostle Paul talking about it, he talks about mercy, then he talks about grace. It's not getting what you deserve and then, hey, not getting what you deserve and the gift. And we will, ha we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So let us come boldly before the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So I ask myself this question over and over again. Is then why do we ignore the mercy and only want the second half of the grace? I'm so focused sometimes on the wonderful gift that I miss out on what the gift cost Christ. It didn't cost me anything, but it cost Christ everything. And I appreciate my salvation so much more because I understand of what it cost Christ. I mean, think about it. My kids, 
when I give them something and they don't understand the value of money or anything, guess what? They're like, thanks. And then they break it and they don't really care about it. But now some of my, ki- my, my older two kids are starting to understand the value of money and they realize that when we buy them something and how much it costs, they realize, whoa, dad, I, I, don't, know if I, I don't know if I want this. This is, this is too much. Why? Because he's a maturing child. And as children of God, we ought to be maturing. Whoa, Christ, you gave your life for me? Whoa, that's too much. I don't deserve this. You see, and that's what the Apostle Paul says. Look at verse 15. This is a tr- he filled me with this faith and love that comes from Christ. Verse 15, this is a trustworthy saying. Everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he says this, and I am the worst of them all. Do you see that attitude? Whoa, I'm the worst. I don't deserve this, God. You would use me? You want to save me? And so number three, to understand this truth here is that God wants us to accept Jesus Christ saves sinners. We have to accept this. Accept the fact that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Look at verse 16 now here in in 1 Timothy chapter one. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. And the apostle Paul says, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. That's good stuff. And his righteousness will cover us and we will be accepted by the father because of Christ Mark 2, 17, the story is, is that there's this woman that comes and she's, a, she's probably a prostitute or a very ungodly woman and she's weeping over Jesus' tears and she takes her hair and washes his feet with her tears and there's a bunch of Pharisees in the room and they're the religious leaders of the day and they're looking down upon this woman but they don't call her a woman, they call her a sinner which is basically looking at her as subhuman. And they're looking at her, and this is what they say. And they said, man, if this man were a godly person, if this guy was, was, was a prophet, if this guy knew, man, he would know that this woman is a sinner. The religious people of the day, mind you. And when Jesus heard this, Mark 2, 17, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come not to call those who are the righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Do you know you're a sinner today? Do you know it? Because that's what the great salvation is for. The apostle Paul knew it. Or are you still in the garden trying to cover up with some fig leaves? Trying to do your best to cover yourself so that people don't get the wrong idea? Or do you recognize and see yourself for who you really are in the mirror of God's law that reveals every imperfection? For all have sinned. Here's the deal, you're in good company. I'm a sinner. And guess what? I need a savior. I need outside intervention. 
And the apostle Paul is communicating this to Timothy, saying this is the greatness of our gospel. So that idea that we're back on the number line is in, they're at zero. Adam and Eve in the garden are in the number line at zero. And when they sinned, they went into the negative numbers and they needed to get into the positive numbers. And when Christ died on the cross, he took anyone that was in the negatives that receives him into the positive plus 10. But some of us are saying, well, I'm not a negative 10. I'm actually a negative one. Here's the reality. You're still in the negatives. And we don't go back to zero, which would be innocence, not knowing sin or not knowing right or wrong. No, what happens is we go into the positives. That's justification. That's how wonderful it is. It's that idea then that Christ saves us. When we recognize and understand that Jesus Christ saves sinners, Number four, the last truth we need to know is that God's salvation through Jesus Christ covers everything. That's the righteousness of Christ. It covers everything. And the apostle Paul says this. He goes, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Verse 17, all honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. He's pumped as he writes this. If you're reading there in the Bible, all honor and glory to God forever and ever. Exclamation point. He's emphatic about this. He's excited about this. That God's salvation through Jesus Christ covers everything that I've ever done, everything that I'm doing right now, and everything that I will do. And it's the greatness and mercy of God as I humble myself and I go, God, I don't even deserve that. That he saves me. And I come to him trying to find mercy. And guess what? He gives me grace. See, I come looking for mercy. God, I don't want, man, I can't deal with my sin anymore. I can't do this anymore. And he gives me grace. The wonderful gift of inheritance that's far beyond ever that I deserve. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for God made Christ who never sinned to be our offering for sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It's this idea that I'm constantly, I ask myself my question, this question, why am I trying to earn my salvation then? If you're here today and you're trying to do enough good works to balance out the bad works, the reality is this, you cannot earn your salvation, only Jesus Christ alone can save you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And some of you guys would say, well, man, that's pretty narrow-minded. Here's the response to that, that. It's the most fair system that God could have ever devised. Because it's not based upon my color. It's not based upon how much money I have or don't have. It's not based upon anything except Jesus Christ and what we do with him. Isn't that wonderful? That's welcoming. That there is only one way and that way is through Christ. And I, there's nothing, I, it doesn't matter how many good works I do or how many bad works I do. It matters what I do with Jesus Christ. And when I come to him humbly and I say, Jesus, you're the Lord and I need you to save me. 
God's salvation through Jesus Christ covers everything. It, it's this, this story a few years ago. My son and I went to Walmart and he wanted to buy that fruit stripe gums. I didn't even like those things, but like, and they're like so expensive, but he wanted those fruit stripe gums, those animal fruit stripe things. And so he loads up his pocket full of change. It's a bunch of pennies and nickels that he had saved. He says, come on, dad, I want to, I want to buy something. And so we, we go and he get the fruit stripe gums and he puts it up there and then he takes this, all his change and he puts it on the conveyor belt and it rolls down and she grabs the, she grabs the, the gum and she rings it. She puts it in the bag and then she counts off the change and he has like 37 cents or something. And it's like a dollar 80. I know, right? The dental bills will be way more, but so it's, it's like, and he, he looks, she looks at him and he looks thinking, man, I've got enough. And she looks and says, you don't have enough money. And he looks and goes, no, no. What does he do? He looks at me. That's what good parents, that's what good kids do. It's what kids do. They look at their parents. Okay, dad, what are we going to do here? Help me. And I reach in my pocket and I look at the lady and I say, I got it covered. And I pull out the $2 and I put it down to pay the difference because my son was inadequate. He fell short and he couldn't cover the amount of the gum. And so my, gum, my son walked out of there with the gum. But who paid for it? Me. He didn't pay for it. Had I not intervened, guess what? He wouldn't have gotten the gum. So many of us think, man, I'm doing something for God. God's really getting something with me. If God hadn't intervened, I would never be saved. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if that's the case, I can't earn my salvation. I should just give it to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I'm so unworthy. Thank you. And that's what the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy here. So here's the thing. So what? Why are these truths so important? I want to close with these quickly. Number one is this. There's hope for anyone. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. This is real hope. This is hope that can change and transform anyone. I don't have to strap a bomb to myself and blow myself up to be assured of heaven. I can look to Jesus and what he did on the cross and receive him. There's hope that God could use me. No matter what I've done, that God can still use me for his kingdom. And not only does he, will he use me, not in like a, like a stepchild, redheaded stepchild way, sorry, Wilson, and, but, but this idea of, of this, this idea that I could totally and completely be used of God. And he would give me the strength. And the second thing is, is this, that not only can, is there hope, but God can use me, number two. There's hope for anyone in that God can use me, number two. Go back to verse 12. Who has given me the strength to do his work? Not only can God use you, but he wants to use you. That's what the Beyond series is about. It's all of us coming together and God using us.
to be used of God, that, that we would empty ourselves out like a glove and that the master, the creator, would put his expert hands into us and use us for something far better than we could have ever done in our lives. And to be a part of that process. And then finally, number three, I'm a sinner, only Christ can save me. I must receive him into my life. I am a sinner and only Christ can save me. Only Jesus Christ can save me. There's nothing I can do to earn this. There's nothing I can do to get this. It's only through Christ. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, today you can have that opportunity. And it's very simple. What you do is you, you have that attitude of Paul where you humble yourself before the Lord and you say, Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. Take me. I'm a sinner. I need you to, for, I need you to forgive me and I need you to save me. That's the part of us putting our 37 cents up on the, on the conveyor belt. And then God does the rest. And salvation is ours and eternal life is ours. And if you've never done that, today you need to do that. Today you need to receive Jesus Christ. Don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And, and very simply, the way you're going to do that is, is really through a prayer to God, not me, but I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But you pray this prayer and God will save you. If you stand before him humbly and offer yourself to him, very simply, you just say, Lord, God, save me. I am a sinner. And I receive Jesus who died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the grave. Come into my life and save me. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time or you meant it, the first time that maybe you meant it and prayed it and said, man, I, I, something's different. There's some people with purple shirts that would be up here to love to talk to you about what it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's a little weird for you or whatever, take your card and drop it in the offering plate and just put your name and information and put, I prayed that prayer. And there'll be somebody this week that will just contact you with some information to let you know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and how to get involved in a small group and how to get, kind of come along through this process and this journey. We are justified Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings now, and uh, Pastor Sean's going to come up and talk about some great things that are happening. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. Uh, I want to do something before I do that. I want to make sure you guys are aware of a great ministry that we have at Coastal Church, and they're here every week, and that's our prayer team. So Lamont and Carol, would you do me a favor and come up right now and stand here, okay? And um, I'm not trying to embarrass them. I just want you to be aware there that our, our prayer team ministry is serious about loving you, praying for you, uh, ministering to you. So if there's ever a week here that maybe God's stirring in your heart, you'd like to talk to someone, maybe today you prayed to be saved uh, from the penalty of your sin, 
in and, and uh, you want to just talk to someone and pray with them before you leave. These prayer team members are always here every week. They're here during the offering time. They're here after the service while the music's playing. Please make use of them. If there's something spiritual going on in your life, it's a great opportunity just to kind of nail down what God's doing in your heart and life. So they're here this morning, okay, uh, to minister to you. The, a couple updates before we pray over the offering, okay. This past week, uh, we got some great pictures of the building that you guys built from through the Beyond series uh, down at Sparrow Missions in Honduras. So here's some pictures of these buildings. I think there's like 12 slides. That's where the building went, and it'll kind of scroll behind me, and you'll see. So really, really cool. Uh, that's kind of a tithe off of your Beyond giving, and so you've built that, and and then we've got a team uh, from Coastal going down the second, the last week of June, first week of July, and they're going to build out this building so that it's actually a place that can house about seven uh children, uh, and there'll be a house parent there where they can grow up in a safe environment, be taught about the things of the Lord. And so well done, Coastal Community Church, okay? Uh, great stuff, okay? And... Um just an update on the Kroger building. We are hoping, God willing, that we will close on that at some point in August. So be praying for that. And then once we close close uh, on the building, we're going to ask you to get your work gloves on, okay? And we got to demo the place, okay? So just be praying about your part in that, okay? We're going to get in there and put a little sweat equity for about a month or so and try to clean that place out. And so that's coming, so continue to pray for that. So let me do this, okay? If you're a guest here this morning, thank you for being here. We're not after your money, okay? but the offering time is a way at Coastal we worship God by giving back because we believe that we worship and serve a God who gave. All right, and so uh, this is an opportunity um, to lift up the gospel of Christ with our finances, okay? So don't feel an ob obligation to give as a guest. What I'd love to have from you is sign that bulletin's tear off, fill that out, drop that in the offering plate. We want to send you a thank you card for coming. Let's do this. Let me pray, okay? And then I'll turn it over to the uh, worship team and have our ushers come forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to give. We're, we're reminded to today of the great gift of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You're a God who gives and gives your best. And uh, so we give back a small portion, God, as an act of worship and as an opportunity to fund the gospel of Christ, to lift up the fame of Christ. And so uh, as we give back this morning, I pray that you'll take these resources and use them to make Christ famous here on the peninsula, in our state, in our nation, uh, and all around the world. We want to see Jesus made famous in every tribe, tongue, and nation. And we do that until you return. And we look forward to that day. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ushers, would you come? And I'm going to turn it over to the worship team.